welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hey, what's going on? I am Matt O'Leary, back with episode number 82 of Just Jets. Going to be hanging out with you, talking about Jamison Crowder having COVID, the impact of that for week one. We're not going to get into a full week one promo or preview, I guess, but we will talk about what it's going to be like to play Sam Darnold and your voicemails as well. But before all of that, we have to get into the sponsor. You know about it already, but do you like playing with balls? No, I'm not talking about footballs. I mean your balls. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, want you to shave your pubes with the Tom Brady of ball trimmers, the GOAT. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0, only the greatest of all time technology for the greatest balls of all time. Get what I'm saying here, boys? When you're going towards the end zone, make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them, so join the movement with our exclusive offer by using promo code JETS20, that is J-E-T-S-20, at Manscaped.com for 20% off for free shipping on anything you like on that website. So... With that out of the way, we could hop into today's episode. First and foremost, Jamison Crowder has COVID. So we are wishing him the most speedy of recoveries, hoping that he is okay, and we hope that he returns soon. But his week one is absolutely in question, which then brings you to what is the Jets wide receiver room going to look like? And I would anticipate the Jets are likely going to have three wide receivers out on the field at once and those three wide receivers based on everything we've seen in training camp and the preseason and all that stuff is most likely going to be Corey Davis Elijah Moore and Keelan Cole those three are probably most likely to be in there with I would anticipate Denzel Mims and Braxton Barrios mixing in beyond that yes I know Denzel hasn't had a ton of time in the preseason I get all that stuff, but I anticipate that to go up because, well, he proved in the preseason that he's better than what his playing time was. He didn't play in the third game because of injury. Uh, So many guys were banged up in that third week, but hopefully that week off has helped in this situation. But I've seen a lot of people talking about whether or not this is going to mean the, the end of Jamison Crowder. And I don't necessarily buy that. And... What I mean by that is a lot of Jets Twitter is saying that, oh, well, this now this means that Elijah Moore is going to explode onto the scene, which I don't really think Jamison Crowder being on the field or not was going to have a impact on that. I think that even if Crowder was healthy, then Moore would have bounced to the outside and Crowder would have been on the inside in the slot and they might have moved some guys around. With Crowder being out, to me, that just means that Elijah Moore is going to get more reps in the slot versus being outside, and Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims will probably split on the outside with Corey Davis not coming off the field. I mean, he was just too good. He's going to play a majority of the snaps, uh, and for likely good reason this year. He, he looked like the Jets' best wide receiver by a country mile. So while I am still a believer that Jamison Crowder could be a candidate to be traded at the deadline, depending where the Jets are, I don't think this means that, oh, he is going to be, you know, a non-factor until that point. No, whenever he comes back, he's going to be inserted into the lineup. No, I don't think this means that his time as a New York Jet is over. That's it. That's the end. Uh, But I do think we are going to see 
most of those, the three that I listed off with, most more than likely Denzel and Braxton Barrios as the two guys rotating in. Uh, as the season goes on, and if uh, Jameson Crowder is traded at the deadline, then I would expect to see more of Denzel Mims. Or if Keelan Cole proves to be a little bit ineffective, I don't think he's going to be ineffective. I, I like Cole as depth, but I, I just think as the year goes on, Denzel Mims is going to go a little bit in front of where Keelan Cole is on the depth chart. And I don't necessarily think that whatever the depth chart is in week one is going to be exactly how it ends in week 18. That's so weird for me to say. Uh, I'm used to saying week 17, the end of the year. But with 17 games, there's now 18 weeks in the season. So more than likely no Jamison Crowder for week one. I don't think that changes how I feel about this game. Um, yes, I would love to have Jamison Crowder in the lineup. I'm not saying... I wouldn't, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh, you know, I'm Jamison Crowder. This is automatic L. Which leads me to the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is facing Sam Darnold. And, well, this is going to be new for the New York Jets because the last three years, Sam Darnold was their starting quarterback. And now they're going up against him in week one with their new starting quarterback in Zach Wilson. And I guess my it's not really a, a fear. I just don't want to go through this on Twitter. But if the Jets were to lose and Sam was to play well, Twitter is not going to be a fun place because the rational are going to say, okay, you can't base a decision if it was right or wrong based on one game. But the irrational, which there are many, are going to say, see what a mistake this was. You should have kept Sam Darnold, even if... I don't know, they win 17-10 and Sam Darnold throws for 140 yards, one touchdown and interception. It's it's a a lose-lose situation if the Jets do lose the game because one, you lost to open your season and two, you're going to hear about it because it's going to be against the quarterback that you just traded away. I genuinely think that Sam is going to be better in Carolina. I don't think that he is going to go off, so to speak, in week one. I don't fear that. And the main reason for that is the Carolina Panthers offensive line is not very good. And even without Carl Lawson and even without Vinnie Curry, the Jets' strength is their defensive line and their front four. So I think they will keep Sam pressured. And as we know, over the last three years, specifically last year, Sam Darnold, under pressure, does not tend to translate well. So I am feeling relatively confident going into this week. And sure, on paper, again, Sam has a much, much, much better roster around him in terms of weapons than he had ever with the New York Jets. But even with a healthy uh, Christian McCaffrey, with Robbie Anderson, with, you know, everything, I don't know if it's going to be enough to mitigate the poor offensive line play. Because I think most Jet fans said during his tenure, his being Sam Donald's tenure, that the offensive line desperately, desperately, desperately needed to improve. And it was probably at its worst in 2019. It took a significant step forward in 2020, but Sam still looked shell-shocked. So if the Jets get pressure in this game against the Carolina Panthers, I would probably expect to see a a shell-shocked Sam. Unless he has completely gotten rid of that in one offseason. But we haven't seen a ton of Sam Darnold in the preseason. So it's going to be really hard for me to sit here and say that as a definite, that he's 100% going to turn it around, he's going to be fine. But based on everything we've seen in the last three years, 
I don't know if the Jets are getting pressure that we will see a successful Sam Darnold. If they can't get home and the cornerbacks are forced to cover for five plus seconds, well, then this might be a different story because Sam Darnold with time is a much different answer. So moral of the story here, get in the backfield. Because if you do, I think you have a good chance of winning this game. And I am not concerned about the Jets' run game. I know that they didn't play that great against the Packers. I know that they didn't necessarily play that great at other points in the preseason. But the Jets' run defense, I don't think, is something that we're going to have to worry about. I really think the Jets, when they lose games because of their defense, it's going to be because the inexperienced secondary, specifically at the cornerback position. That's just the reality of the situation. So if they lose this game... It's likely because the pass rush did not get home and the corners couldn't hold up. If they win, if, meaning that if the Jets win, then it's going to be because they got pressure and the offense was fine because the, the Panthers' defense doesn't necessarily scare me. The only thing that scares me in this game is if all those weapons are able to flourish with the, the Jets' woes in, at the cornerback position pretty much outside of uh, Bryce Hall. So we'll see what happens there. I'm looking forward to week one hopefully you are more previewing on that on the channel throughout with that let's get into the voicemails before we get started just wanted to say travis haven't heard from you in a few weeks hope you're doing okay buddy the last time you called probably about three weeks or four weeks ago at this point uh you called after i recorded so i don't want you to think that i was ignoring you i just already recorded that video and then the call was already out outdated because it was on a on a sunday uh, so it was already over a week old. So hope you're doing well, Travis. We're going to go to Nick in New Jersey calling in. He wants to get into Jets Panthers. Hey, yo, Matt O'Leary. What up? From New Jersey. What up, what up? Calling again another week just to say it's finally football week. We have week one here. Thank God. Um, I just want to see your thoughts on the coming uh, Jets and Panthers game. want to see, besides Christian McCaffrey, um, how do you think – we're going to handle this team. You know, what to look out for? Um, what other players do you think um, could damage us? Do you think we could slow down the run? Um, and two, I just want to say, I know I've been calling in a lot and calling in very long. Just want to keep them shorter now. Uh, I know last week uh, I hit you. the dial on there and you got caught. like a long call. Anyway, um, want to see what you think about this next game coming up against Sam Darnold, who to look out for. Let's go Jets. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And just want to keep him on the shorter side because uh, the Google voice ha has a cutoff at three minutes. So I don't want anyone getting cut off. If we keep him shorter, we can get more calls in here, all that fun stuff. So appreciate it, Nick. Very much so looking forward to this upcoming game on the Panther side of things. I am. Uh, I don't know if me saying I'm not worried about Christian McCaffrey is fair because he's a phenomenal player. I think the Jets will be fine at containing Christian McCaffrey one in the run game. I, I don't really have any issues with the Jets' run defense. I think their run defense is going to be good this year. In the passing game, I have faith in Nasruddin and covering a back out of the backfield. For the first time in a while, the Jets have faster linebackers, which is a good thing. So I'm not necessarily worried there. To me, it's if the I, I know I just talked about it, but it, it's if the pass rush doesn't get home. And honestly, Robbie Anderson is able if Sam's able to get the ball to Robbie, because I don't know if they have someone outside of Hall who would be able to keep up. Because they, they have, you know, a, a good receiving core. It's not phenomenal, but the Panthers do have a good deep receiving core. So uh we'll see what they end up doing. 
I would really anticipate if a player was going to burn the Jets, I think I think it would be Robbie. Like that that would just be the one where like Sam hits Robbie on like a seventy yard bomb, and it's just such a deflating thing. That would be brutal. Uh, hopefully that answers your question, Nick. But I am very excited for this game, and I'll give you a player to watch for on the Jets. Is it? Uh, I was gonna say Elijah Moore, but I feel like that's too cliche. So instead, I'm going to say Corey Davis because I think he showed in the preseason what kind of player he's like on third down and how much of a safety blanket he could be on third down. So there you go. Jeremy from California, Sacramento to be exact, is calling in next. He wants to talk about the safety position, which is valid. Let's get into it. Hey, O'Leary, it's Jeremy from Sacramento. Um, I got nothing. I got nothing. I've told that you do everything. You hydrate. You take your vitamins. Yeah. You avoid hydrate. putting your face in front of the air conditioner. I mean, you just you're ready to go. You're yes, all grown up. Anyway, hey, I just wanted to ask. Do you think? I, I, I mean, maybe by the time you get this, we'll have signed one. If we don't sign another safety, do you think it's possible that um, Michael Carter the second is slotted to be an emergency safety, someone that we can shift over into that spot, or? Can we shift one of our new young linebackers back into that spot and bring in Cashman at linebacker? Do you think that's the kind of versatility um, that we talk about or that Salah talks about um, that helps save roster spots? Or if we haven't already, do you think, are you concerned about the safety position and our lack thereof backup if somebody gets hurt? Have a great week. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, I'm a little bit concerned especially because Joyner has just been banged up through a lot of the preseason and Ashton Davis isn't going to be back for a while, which I just really hope that Davis, when he is back, can have an impact. That would be really, really good and help mitigate some of the, the issues in the in the secondary just because, I, I mean, he, he wasn't phenomenal as a rookie, but I thought he showed flashes of athleticism, which is going to be exciting to see in year two if he's able to develop off of that, but... I would agree with your assessment in terms that Michael Carter would probably be the most likely to go back. I really think they're going to be utilizing uh, Sherwood and, um, oh my God, Nazaldine in the box as linebackers. I I don't think they're going to have them back playing traditional uh, linebackers. So Carter would probably be the one that I uh, I would bet on playing in the... In, in in the deep at in the safety role, I would think if there's any one of those guys who do it, it would be Michael Carter. Hopefully, it doesn't get to that point because I don't think he was necessarily impressive in training camp or the preseason. Ideally, it's Joiner and May. That's a pretty nice safety duo. Uh, from there, not a lot of depth after that. So, I I understand the concern. Shane in New Jersey's up next. He wants to talk Ruben Foster. We disagree on this topic, but I want to hear him out. What does Shane have to say on Foster? Matt, my man, it is Shane from Jersey. What's going on? Hope all is well. Um, I called today is regarding uh, the video you just made on Ruben Foster's workout. Sure. And how you wouldn't like if we signed him. I'm going to be honest, man. Uh, I couldn't disagree more. I'm on the other side of the spectrum here. Uh, so to start, We'll go with all like the negative things you said, the weed, the domestic violence. Um, what else? And he had like a gun charge. I mean, obviously, uh, 
no one's for domestic violence. That's awful. That's completely not right. We put that on the table right there. That's Agreed. bad. But for the marijuana, half the league probably uses it, and the gun charge. I think Quinn William had a, a gun charge or something like that. He did. Uh, that was a year wrong. or two ago, uh, back when Sheldon Richardson played, he was arrested. Uh, he, did. he had issues. That was wrong too. A lot of these guys have problems. They just get into trouble. You could hold it against them, yay or nay. It's really up to you. Um, if we were, if the New York Jets, our team, were in a way better scenario, I'd say get out of town with this guy. We don't need him at all. But if you look at our linebackers right now, one of them's a rookie. One of them, hopefully, is a baller, but he hasn't played in two years. Our other was a first-round pick, debatable bust, who just got hurt for until week six. I don't even know who's going to play that outside linebacker. Uh, yes, he's had an ACL injury on the Redskins last time he played. We just signed Carl Lawson, and he was going to be our star, who already had two prior ACL tears. So, all in all, I, I totally get what you're saying, that he might not fit the all-gas-no-break style of mentality. He has some, he's had a rough past. But maybe that's the challenge Sal is looking for. Maybe he wants to take this guy who he knows can play, and he's had a rough life and a rough uh, past few years. Um and change him around, and that would be, like, a huge thing for Salah. And I think that'd be awesome, because like you said in your video, when he played, he was he was pretty damn good as a rookie. And he got a short stint after the injury with uh, the Washington football team. But, yeah, uh, my take is I'd give him a shot, because although he's had a rough past, other guys have had it. And on top of that, our linebacking core is almost as bad as our corners, which is very bad. And especially with Jared Davis out, I think we could use all the help we can get. We've got the money. Why not swing him for a year on a very cheap deal and see if Salah can work his magic on him? Because, as we've seen in the past, when he plays, he could be something. And I feel like that's what we're going for, especially with, like, Jared Davis, who's now not even going to be playing for a few weeks. So that's it. Sorry for the little rant. You're uh, good. Still love your stuff, man. Let's go, Jets. Can't wait to find you week two for our home opener. Yes. You're going to beat the life out of the past, baby. <laughs> Lock it in. Catch you later. Thank you for checking in on that one. Um a lot of people did not like my Reuben Foster take, which is fine. I don't have to. Here's the thing. You don't have to agree with every take that I have. You shouldn't. That would mean that you don't think critically. You just go with whatever I say. Just as I or anyone doesn't have to agree with every single thing Robert Sala or Joe Douglas thinks, which is something that I saw a lot with that video and that take. It's just trust, trust Sala, trust Douglas. I agree with a lot of that statement. You should. I like, again, I like both of those guys. But just because I like the general manager and I like the coach doesn't mean that I'm going to agree or align 100% on every single decision. This would be one of them. While Foster did show upside, the most amount of games he ever played in a season was his rookie year, which is four years ago now, in 2017. And he played 10 games. The following year, he played six games, which is when the alleged domestic violence incidents happened. And then you had the injuries. So realistically, this guy hasn't really played at a high level in four years. There are other options out there. It's not like he is the only linebacker available. You could make the case that Bernard McKinney, who was released by the Miami Dolphins, is a better overall player to begin with with the domestic violence or like if you were to throw all those things, all the baggage with Foster out the window and just look at on the field, Foster versus McKinney, 
McKinney's the better player, and he's available. So that's one guy I would rather over him. BJ Goodson's still available. I would rather take a flyer on him. Kamal Martin's still available. I'd rather take a flyer on him. And even bringing in a guy like Avery Williamson, I would rather do. Because they've played more recently. That has to be a factor in it as well. Again, I I understand wanting to give people second chances. This would be his third or fourth chance at this point. I understand liking what a player did. But I'm hoping that you like what a player did and they, the, this player showed something more recently than four years ago. Um, so that's hopefully a little bit more of a clarification on why I'm against it. I'm not saying that no player ever should get a second chance. I am saying that you, you have to draw a line somewhere and when it's a third or a fourth chance and when there's injury and, haven't been, and not being a productive player in four years on the table... I don't know why that's the player that you want to take the risk on. Just me personally. Shane's entitled to his opinion. I'm entitled to mine. Have no hate towards Shane. I get it. I see his side. I see Douglas's side. I see uh, Salah's side. I just don't agree with it. And that's okay. Thank you for calling in, Shane. We're going to go to Robert in Tennessee. He wants to get into those ESPN predictions that were just released. Hey, this is a... Robert of Tennessee again. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put no stock in the ESPN's predictions. Uh, they're ver- very uh, uh, ill-willed towards the Jets anyway. Uh, the Jets will do what they can do, and uh, uh, that's about all we can hope for. Is, uh, they're going to do a lot better than 2-14. So, I agree. Um, uh, I wouldn't put no stock in it. Uh, go Jets. This is Robert. I think they're going to get at least 7-8 seven to eight wins, 7-9 to nine maybe uh so uh, uh if we're lucky uh because I, I think Zach Wilson's a lot better than what people are giving them credit for that's fair so catch you later go Jets thank you Robert I agree with you I had I have them going seven and ten spoiler I have a video coming out on Friday going into more predictions but seven and ten is I think what I decided on I was between seven or eight really I think anything between six, seven, or eight wins, somewhere in that range is probably fair. Anything less than six, I think, is probably a little too pessimistic. Anything nine or more is probably on the optimism side. I'm not saying that either can't happen. There are scenarios where absolutely they could finish with more than nine wins. If everything breaks right, they could finish with less than six if everything breaks wrong. But more than likely, it's probably going to fall somewhere in between. So I decided to split the di- the difference and go in the middle of my range and go with 7 and 10. That's where I come up with. And I don't think 7 and 10 is going to give you the third overall pick. Would it give you the 6th, 7th, 8th, maybe ninth pick? Yeah, I think that's probably the window you're looking at if you're the New York Jets. But from going from, I'm, no one should be anticipating this team to be a playoff team. If they so happen to do it, phenomenal. I would love that. But going from a 2-14 and 14 team with no direction, with... A unfortunately bottom tier quarterback at that point. Sorry, Sam, he was in 2020. And the worst head coach in football to a, if you go seven and 10, a likely promising season from Zach Wilson and likely a promising performance from the rookie head coach, then you're feeling a lot better. I would absolutely sign up for a, a seven and 10 season like that. Last call is from Bigums, North Carolina. He has a lot to get into. Let's get into it. What up, what up, what up, Matty O. This is your boy Biggums from North Carolina. I was just calling in to just talk about a few things real quick. 
Um, first of all, people, uh, it's going to be some ups and downs with the the cornerback position as people keep talking about it and people keep saying, oh, it's going to be a struggle. They're going to get burnt and guys are going to be, you know, every which way. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, the cover three defense is set up so guys won't be left on the island. So hopefully, as long as everybody can, as Robert Sala says, you know, get that technique down, you won't see a lot of bad plays, especially if the defensive line can get home. That's for one thing. But the main thing we need to be kind of happy about is, other than Jamison Crowder at this point right now, the offense is intact. I mean, it's pretty much a done deal about who's playing and who's there. No big injuries, knock on wood. And I think the offense is going to have to be the catalyst for this team. I think it's it's time for everybody to, as far as Jet fans, to get in their head that, you know, it really is time for this offense to start being more of the identity of this team. I agree. You know? 100%. Our problem wasn't in the past teams we had of being able to stop teams. It was being able to put points on the board. So I think as long as we have a, a a legitimate offense, they're not asking Zach Wilson to go out there and throw 40 and 50 times um, in a game. So as long as I feel like that's uh, the way they're going to go about it, running the football, running back by committee, I think this team is just is going to be just fine. I think we can still win about eight games. Um, I don't trust in Tua like that. I definitely don't trust in Matt Jones. Um, those Buffalo games, they, they can go either way. I'm not a big fan of Josh Allen. I think he's playing. Okay. Don't agree here. right now, but he's still a high turnover quarterback. So, but I just want to know what your thoughts is on this team's offense. Sure. Uh, going forward to week one and the Jameson Crowder situation. If Elijah Moore can, comes in, do you think he's going to take the job? Um, just want to know your thoughts on it, and uh, go Jets, man. Keep doing your thing. Appreciate you, Bigums. Good question as always. Lots to unpack here. Um, I'll start with where I agree, and then I'll go disagree and talk about the offense a little bit more. Agree. The thing that you said, and you said it so perfectly, it's time that the offense be the identity of this team. This could not be more true in the NFL today. You don't have a a snowball's chance in hell if you can't score points. You don't. And sure, I I understand the the defense wins championships motto. I understand that. And I'm not saying that defense isn't important. It is. But offense is more so important. The Kansas City Chiefs, more of an offensive team. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers played great defense, but they're more of an offensive team. Look at all the contenders. They put up points. They score. The Rams, the Packers, the Bills, all those teams put up points. The, the, the Ravens, the Browns, you can write down the list of teams who are expected to be really, really good this year. So you're right. This team does need to be more offensive. Where I disagree, I think it will matter with the quarterbacks not playing well at times. Now, you're right in the fact that I think cover three in the zone can hide help hide some of their deficiencies at the position but 
a game like or going up against a team like the Bills or a team like the Bucks or a, a team that could field you know a, a lot of quality receivers and throw different looks at you with smart OCs I don't think the Jets will match up well against teams like that I also while it pains me to say cuz I was not a fan of his coming out of college and through the first two years in the league, I did not think he was better than Sam Darnold. But Josh Allen, got to give this guy some credit, man. He was playing at an MVP level last year. And that hurts for me to say. It hurts. You guys know I wasn't a fan of him coming out. Not like, oh my God, he was drafted by my rival team. I have to hate this guy. No, no, no. I did not want the Jets to draft Josh Allen out of Wyoming. Did not like him at Wyoming. Sam... Baker was my QB2, Rosen QB3, Lamar QB4, Allen QB5. I was wrong. It happens. It genuinely happens sometimes. But the, the Bills are by far the best team in this division. I think they run away with it. I don't love Tua, but they have a very, very good roster around him, and they have a very, very good head coach. And while, yes, a Tom Brady-less Patriots team is clearly not the same. You still have to give credit to Bill Belichick and what they do. You have to. Until they do it multiple years on a row where they're missing the playoffs, I can't do this. I can't be the one to say, I'm going to count out this Patriots team. They're going to be a four-win, five-win team. I can't do it. And I don't believe that. I think they are a nine, ten-win team maybe. Dolphins, same thing. I think they're an eight, nine, ten-win team somewhere in there. And I think the Jets, I said already, are a six, seven, eight-win team. Who knows? Maybe 2022 and beyond, those things begin to change. But for now, the Jets are behind. So programming note before we get out of here, this show will be moving to Wednesdays during the regular season. The reason for that is so that we can talk about weeks prior, the games prior, talk about the big storylines from that, get into previewing a little bit. And I want to get your voicemails, your takes on what happened in the previous game versus what's going to happen this week. And on Monday, that's just not enough time to get the voicemails in. Um, so I'll be taking voicemails from the moment the game ends on Sunday. So you can call in after the game, tell me your take. Monday, record on Tuesday night, have it ready for you on Wednesday at some point earlier in the day. So that's the plan. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary, and I'll talk to you next time.